The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. From home repair to remodeling, this is Making Your Home Great. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Hey, let's do some live radio. Let's do it. Uh, Rock Emmons is here uh, from Triangle Radiant um, a Barrier. Yeah, I that's pretty try close. To find Triangle baby, <laughs> Radiant Candles. Radiant Haircut. Haircut. Yeah, whatever. And you look radiant today. You really do. Thank I'm, you. Is uh, it my flannel shirt? It is. You know, the men are dressed in flannel today. It's that time of year. Women are just complaining about the cold and getting more pumpkin spice. Uh-huh. Yeah. My whole house smells like pumpkin candles at this point. It does? Yeah. yeah. It, I gotta lie. I, I'm not going to lie, though. It's it's nice to come home to. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, I make fun of it when she buys them, and then I come home, and I'm like, man, it smells good in here. I can't let her know that. I'm hoping she's not listening to the yeah, show. I, I'm at the drive-thru at the coffee shop, and I'm saying, could we get two extra squirts of Satan juice? <laughs> In this coffee, sir, it's called pumpkin spice. Okay. Yeah, I can't even order coffees at, at Starbucks anymore. It's just embarrassing. Yeah. Whatever my wife orders, I, I just can't verbally say <laughs> that and, and get to drive away with my man card. I got it. All right, so we're going to talk with Brock the first hour. It's sort of a unique thing. That a lot of times, we never get time for you. That's uh, it's true, but I'm here anyway. You are here, and you're you're representing every week, but you, you're not always talking about the radiant barrier or the 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 stuff you do in the crawl spaces. No, well, this show is is you know the the whole reason we built this show is is for all of us, you know, just right. to bring in all different types of contractors, and you know, I'm I'm blessed that I get to be a part of this show as often as I am. So That's when good. we have guests, I prefer to to get them into the conversation and talk about what they do. Today, it looks like I'm running solo, so yes, yes. we'll see if we can fill the hour. Oh, fill it? We're going to fill it with good good conversation. Good okay, things. Okay, so Brock's company is Triangle Radiant Barrier. Before we talk about anything else, how, how tough is it to run a business these days here in North Carolina? Tougher now than it was a, a few years ago. Really? You know, Why is that? Costs. You know, it's just uh, everything, material costs have gone up, gas has gone up, um, you know, just uh, even, you know, payroll, it it doesn't matter. And and maybe every every category, the cost seems to be going higher and higher. So companies are either charging more. Sure. Logically to them, they think, well, we'll just charge more. When you charge more, you're you're not selling as much. So the, the margins are taken somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a balancing act. It's it's being able to keep your prices low and competitive, right? Uh, but also be busy enough that uh, you know we can keep all of our employees and staff busy five days a week. So it's a juggling match. When when people say to you know they they find out their contractor has got a pretty high bid, right? Sometimes that high bid is totally justified. Sometimes you look at it and you just say, oh, my, you know, that's terrible. Prices could have been better a year ago or two years ago. But everybody's pay, Mm -hmm. it's either going up or it's being demanded, right? Yes. Yeah, gosh, you know, boss, I'd like a raise. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
the we know that all products have gone up yep. typically i saw a joke about that earlier uh online somebody said for black friday hey yeah. we, we we've all got big screen tvs how about you give us our groceries half off this year <laughs> you know i think this is affecting all of us yep. across the board it is and for something like radiant barrier and insulation mm-hmm. and uh, you know the the things you do underneath the home the the products that you use there right, right. you're using a lot of it a lot of it. I've got Connex boxes and storage units and garages full yeah. of insulation. Right. You know, if if you want to be able to offer a good price to your homeowners, your clients, your customers, yeah, you have to get that insulation at a good price. And yeah. you can't get that insulation at a good price unless you're buying it in volume. So there's an enormous upfront cost to buy this stuff just to have it enough of it where we can then sell it at a cheaper cost to the homeowner that only needs a thousand square feet of it. Right. I've got a, a Connex box on our property that I've got 1.2 million square feet of vapor barrier. Wow. So we can offer that product to our clients lower than our competition yeah. that are buying each roll down at the big box store weekly as right. they sell it. There's a, you know, there's a special section of the parking at the big box store, right? Which is just for contractors. That's right. I use it at any time. Nobody's checking IDs. Yep. But I park there, and I and I think about the guys who are coming in, and they're buying essentially retail, or maybe they've got a better deal than that. Mm-hmm. But they're getting a, you know, a mostly retail price mm-hmm. on the things that they're going to go install. Right. I don't think that's a way to run a business. Well, you know, let's let's use, uh, and this is a, a fictitious company, but let's use Bob's fencing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You have Bob come out and give you an estimate to put in a fence, and he says it's going to be $3,500, yeah. okay? Well, he runs down to Home Depot, and he buys all the lumber. Yes. Well, Jim's fencing company down the road buy their, vol- their, their material in bulk. Mm-hmm. So that exact same fence from Jim is going to cost you $2,100 instead of thirty five. Yeah. Okay. Now, Tanya, Wicker Hunt. Tanya comes on our show, yeah. remember? Right. Tanya reached out to uh, me this last week and said she had a, a homeowner that she sold a house to a couple of years ago. Yeah. And they were having a, a pretty large issue in their crawl space. And a competitor of mine, which I will not name, but a competitor of mine went out and inspected the property and and get ready for this. Yeah. The quote from this competitor to do the work in the crawl space, which included some mold remediation and a pier, a structural pier that needed to be installed. Okay. $70,000. Man, oh, man. Can you even fathom that? I could build you a tiny home for <laughs> 70 with air conditioning and windows yeah. and H, you know, the, the whole nine. I'm kind of counting on that for my retirement, yes. We are going out to inspect this property the first of this next week. <laughs> but I told the homeowner, we have done crawl spaces that are 4,000 square feet. Yes. Full mold remediation, full encapsulation, dehumidifiers, sump pumps, the whole nine. I do not recall ever seeing a contract from our company over 24. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of these companies, it's hard out there right now. Everything is very expensive. And their solution is just raise the pricing. Yeah. 
that runs away more business than it gets you. So it's very difficult to kind of juggle. We need to keep our pricing low, but we still need to sell enough volume to keep the company afloat and keep our staff busy. However, luckily, my two business partners and I have been doing it for years. So each year there comes new problems that need new solutions. But so far we've come out on top. And your why why do you store so much? I understand you you just explained why you're storing some so much material. Mm-hmm. Aren't you also distributing it to other people? Some, some. Um, several of the uh, crawl space and insulation companies in the area do purchase material from our distribution company. Good. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I I want folks to understand that. Triangle Radiant Barrier has taken it a step further than the fellow who, you know, who last week was doing drywall. Yeah. And this week is doing insulation. Yeah, it was a it was a weird thing for us to decide. Um, but we we do so much volume at our company, we wanted to be able to get product a lot cheaper. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, manufacturers will not sell install companies bulk. Uh, material purchases you have to be a distributor okay they want you to be a distributor so yes my partners and i then opened up a separate distribution company that we purchase all this material from which is why all of these competitors of ours are now coming to us because we have the material in bulk yeah and we're able to sell it cheaper than they can get it at the box store and and of course you have a certain amount of intelligence as to how much work they're doing, uh, yeah, which is kind that, of funny. It does help. It does kind of. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, you know, when the Joe just signed a good contract. That's right. All right, Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier is here, and we're talking about his business, but we're also going to talk about what they do because people are more interested in what you do than how you do it. But let's talk about talk about what is um, the core of your business right now. Is it attic work or crawl space this time of year um we're getting two two different types of customers customers that are gearing up for winter yeah they remember what their utility cost was last year they remember how cold it was in their house they don't want to run through that again right this is the year to finally get the insulation done um and the other side of that is the customers reaching out because they think doing crawl space work is going to make a big impact to their utility usage this winter and and are they right no no not really okay not really all right well we'll talk more about both those topics and we're going to give you away a briggs gift certificate now i cannot remember the last time i was in briggs but it was a good experience with lots of food and we've got a 25 dollar gift certificate for the first question on today's show, 919-860-9783, a Briggs restaurant gift certificate could be yours. Just call us up, ask Brock a question on WPTF and making your home great. Making your home great, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. Rock Ems of Triangle Radiant Barrier is here. Okay, so you just told me something that most people won't tell other people. That 
a certain product that you that you do won't help you in a certain area. So the the whole idea of encapsulating the crawl space right this is not a necessarily a a power bill issue no no um i'm not really sure where the misinformation came from i can only imagine it was probably from other competitors of mine in the field yeah i guess a lot of people see insulation in their crawl space mm-hmm. and they think oh it's it's there to insulate well, that makes sense yeah. once i walk customers through how it works it's almost like the light bulb goes off and yeah. they're like well wait a minute that that makes a lot more sense hey, all right the issue with your crawl space the insulation that's in your crawl space batted insulation which is what's wedged up in your subfloor right right that does not stop cold air no. Think about it. I could build you a brand new house with brand new insulation. Yeah. If it's 20 degrees outside and you're not running your heater, it's 20 degrees in the living space. Okay. Batted insulation, blown in insulation, does not stop cold air movement. The only thing that does that is foam, which is why foam is more common up north. You run into it in New York and Jersey, Chicago, Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. The reason the batted insulation is on the subfloor Mm-hmm. Mold cannot grow in insulation. It's not an organic source. It can't feed off of it. Yeah. Now, I've had people in the past say, uh uh, you're wrong. I can see it growing on the paper on the insulation. Well, that's not insulation, that's paper. That's paper. So when you do insulation in a crawl space, you use paperless backed insulation. Or you're supposed to. Or you're supposed to. Right. The insulation that's down there is supposed to be pushed all the way up to the subfloor so it protects your subfloor. Okay. It doesn't prevent cold air movement. So in the winter, your floor is just as cold with the insulation as it would be without it. Okay. All right. You don't lose heat through your floor in the winter. Heat rises. Yeah. You don't gain heat from your floor in the summer. It's always a lot cooler under the house than it is outside. Yes. Nothing you do to the crawl space is going to really make a large measurable impact to your utility usage. Now, there are some pros to it. Okay, like what? Aside from the indoor air quality, cleaning the space, making sure it's nice down there, when you encapsulate a crawl space, you insulate the walls of your crawl space and you seal the utility penetrations, Mm -hmm. which means there's no more airflow. Mm-hmm. So your crawl space doesn't get colder than about 60 to 65 degrees, even in the coldest part of the year. It never gets warmer yeah. than 70 to 75 degrees. Right. So your floors are naturally a lot warmer than they used to be, but it's not going to impact the usage of your heater. It's just going to impact the autumn uh, condition of your floor kitchen floor yeah it means you don't cold. have to wear socks right you know that that that's really and and people tell me all the time oh i can't believe you tell people that 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 you know you you won't sell as many jobs i sell more jobs being honest than i do dishonest yeah, yeah. so i'd rather tell people the truth this is what you can expect this is what it's going to do for you if you're wanting to impact utility usage let's look in a few different places and here's the good news those places are cheaper than the crawl space work you were about to have done, thinking it was going to fix the same problem. I'm more likely to, what, fix that problem by insulating within the home. 
Sometimes that's the answer. Um, you know, we do energy audits. I've had customers that have had houses that are five years old. Mm-hmm. Insulation's two feet thick, oh. but their their heating bills are just astronomical. Well, yeah. some of them had a faulty thermostat. Some of them only had one thermostat, and it was on the first floor. Yes. For yes. customers and listeners out there that have a two-story home, if you have one thermostat, that thermostat does not go on the first floor. Your utility bills are going to be enormous. Yeah. In the summer, it's always cool on the first floor. Okay. So your system shuts off, even though your second floor is 80 degrees. Yeah. In the winter, it's never warm on the first floor. All your heat is going up the stairwell. It's always nice and warm on the top floor. Yeah. Having the thermostat located in the appropriate place, believe it or not, can cut your utility bill in half. You don't need two thermostats, though. Some do. Some okay. do. Okay. If, honestly, two is better if you have one that runs your downstairs and one that runs your upstairs. Sure. But a lot of my customers don't. They have a split system, so they have one thermostat that runs both floors. Okay. Well, the thermostat only reads the temperature at the thermostat. So right. if your bottom floor is 72, right. the air conditioner turned off, your upstairs is 78. Right. If you move the thermostat to the appropriate location, you could have an issue with your door and window seals. Mm-hmm. You could have an issue with the HVAC itself. Mm-hmm. Could be a problem with the insulation. Just okay. like a good mechanic or a good doctor... Getting the right information up front can save you a lot of back-end hassle. Yeah. The mechanic that can tell you, I know exactly what it is, this is the problem, this is what it's going to take to get fixed, Yeah, is better than, I think it's this, let's fix this, oh, it didn't work, all right, let's try this now. <laughs> it's the same with doctors. You don't want to have six surgeries. You want the first doctor to know what the problem is and have one surgery and get it done. Amen. It's the Amen. same with your home. Bring yeah. out someone that knows what they're doing what they're talking about they can guide you and show you this is where you're losing your energy this is where you should focus in some cases some of these really older homes some of them weren't insulated at all are they out of luck they got to tear tear it down to the studs Mm, not necessarily there are um, other options out there there's something referred to as expansion foam sure where they can cut small holes in the drywall and feed a tube down into the drywall and expand the cavity uh, with an open cell foam. There's a lot of drywall repair needed with that, but there'd be a lot of drywall repair needed if you tore all the drywall down. Yes, there would, yes. So there's there's pros and cons. Um, But no, we're we're constantly working in homes that are from the 1920s and 1930s. What's funny, this shows our age. Yeah. Had a customer call last week and said, I'm in a very old home. It was built in 92. And I just had a stroke when I heard that. I was like, 92? That was yesterday. But, you know, every decade that goes yeah. by, these oh, houses yeah. get 10 years older. Yes, they do. They do. And, and the technology clearly is, is increasing. Mm-hmm. The things we know about insulating grows. Um, talk to me about, uh, about homes that are, you know, 20 years old. Um, I know about the window situation that if the windows are 20 years old, I want to think about it. Uh, think about replacing them. And the Pella window folks taught us that. Yep. 
Um, but what about the insulation in homes that are relatively new? Depends on the insulation. You know, there's there's batted fiberglass. Yeah. Okay. Then you've got batted, you know, rock wool and attic cat, which are different forms of insulation. Then you have blown in fiberglass and blown in cellulose. Right. Blown in insulation is typically a lot cheaper to have done, which is why it's very common. Right. Blown in insulation, whether it be fiberglass or cellulose, is a deteriorating insulation. So every year it's worse than it was the year before. Okay. It loses its effectiveness every year. Yeah. Batted insulation deteriorates, but at a much slower rate. Right. Okay. Then you have attic cat and rock wool. Rock wool is a sound buffering insulation, and that stuff just doesn't deteriorate. I mean, really? if it does, it's 20, 25 years down the road. Sure. It's also three times the cost as traditional fiberglass. Right. So it depends on the, the, the type of insulation, and it depends on the application. Are you telling me that every decade or so I might want to top off the blown-in insulation? Absolutely. Really? We have customers that do that weekly. We have customers <laughs> that say, hey, I just need a top-off. Come out here, and we'll blow in two, three inches of insulation, yeah. get them back up to R38, and they're good for another few years. Wow. To them, that's better than waiting till it goes all the way down Sure, because we charge for depth. Okay, It's not yeah. just square footage. It's also depth. If right. I have to blow in three inches, that's a lot less than if you had no insulation and I have to blow in 14 inches. Right Now it's a lot more expensive. You don't take out the old insulation. You just top it off depends uh normally we don't recommend pulling out the old insulation unless it's waterlogged or you've had critters up there burrowing oh, yeah. around and oh, yeah. using the bathroom in it all but right. in most cases you can just top it off all right very good brock emmons of triangle radiant barrier he's talking about he hasn't talked yet about radiant barrier but he's going to on today's show he's also going to talk to you if you want to call us up 919-860-9783 and I've got a Briggs gift certificate for you. They are simply the best. And you can get that by calling up now. 919-860-9783. Making your home great. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Making your home great. Our one is Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier. We've got Joel Worsham and Brian Finch. Brian, of course, from Finch Quality Painting, and Joel from Comfort First Heating and Cooling on our radio. Uh, Brock, so we, we have not talked about radiant barrier, but let's just make the point. You guys cover every insulation I could think of, yes? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you, if, if you don't carry it, if you don't install it, probably you've determined that it's not a good product. Or not worth people's time? Uh, for us, yes. Um, there's really only one insulation that we don't dabble in. Yeah. And believe it or not, that's what we had just talked about in the, the before the commercial break. What is it? Expansion foam. Exp in injection foam. Yeah, okay. Um, we had dabbled in injection foam a while back. Um, the problem that we have with uh, injection foam is, is <laughs> boy, it's got to be done right. Yeah. Um, if you blow too much foam into the cavity, because keep in mind that foam expands. Yes, right. It does. Yeah. Well, when it expands too much, it starts pushing the drywall out. Yeah. And you can get nail pops in the wall. 
So sure. it's almost inevitable that you're going to have to have a lot of drywall repair work done after uh, oh, injection foam is done. Yeah. It does work, works very well, uh, but the cost to benefit ratio was not enough for us to, to carry that as a full-time product. Okay, so the things you do carry, you think are pretty quality products. Absolutely. And you can insulate nearly everywhere. And yet you also have named the company Triangle Radiant Barrier. Right. What's Radiant Barrier? Radiant Barrier is just a, a form of, of one of many different types of insulations. Yes. Um, we could have been Triangle Spray Foam or Triangle Insulation. Yeah. The reason we called ourselves Triangle Radiant Barrier is in our humble opinion, we believe that that is probably the best bang for your buck mm-hmm. of any insulation that's out there. Um, you know, Radiant Barrier was designed in 1952 by Team Wright Labs. Hmm. That is the company that was contracted by NASA. Right. You see, they figured out in the space program years ago that they couldn't insulate the space shuttle with R-30 batted insulation. It's just not going to do the job. That's very smart. Yeah, it would make the... The space shuttle awfully big and cumbersome. It you know. sure would. Yeah. Uh, I would also add an enormous amount of weight. Yeah. On top of the fact they couldn't use spray foam. Apparently, NASA has a problem with fire in space. Yeah. That's that's not a good thing, from what I read. And spray foam would and not spray be a good foam product. just does not check that box. Okay. That isn't a flammable product. Well, so. I- I think they have to get to the electronics. You can't fill the entire. <laughs> you can't just fill it up, right? Just when you say, "Oh, behind the drywall," yeah. I know they got to get to that yeah, area. Yeah, they they can't repair okay. it. They just got to build a new one. So spray foam is not good. Spray foam was not going to be a good solution. So right. the guys that are a lot smarter than I over at Team Wright Labs uh, designed reflective grade insulation. Mm-hmm. Now, if you see photos of the Hubble. Okay, the gold, yes. the silver, yeah. that's all reflective grade forms of insulation. The gold is actually helping to power the unit. It can draw in power. Mm-hmm. Um, years ago in the 80s, they started installing that product in residential homes. And it yeah. made an enormous impact yeah. until the 90s. Then the cell phone started coming out. Yeah. And the old product was primarily foil-based. Oh, yeah. So that was causing all kinds of issues. So the industry had to evolve. Well, now the good part was, is speaking of the space program, the aliens could not read Our thoughts. your thoughts. Exactly. Because you had all this, you know, this foil up That's above right. you. That's how we sold it in the 80s. This That's... will protect you from alien landings. But nowadays, it's made of what? Mylar. Yeah. yeah, the Mylar product, which is is uh, used in the intelligence industry. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime somebody gets rescued from the ocean, they wrap a silver blanket around them. That's a Mylar reflective grade insulation. Yeah, Mylar doesn't have the same issues with cell phone reception or, or you know computers, internet stuff like that. Yeah. So that's where the industry shifted in the '90s, and the stuff we have today is just light years. Uh, uh, far and ahead and beyond uh, what we have been using for for years before. Much better than NASA? Uh, As a matter of fact, the product that we use is NASA grade. Okay. So the manufacturer that we get it from is is one of the manufacturers that actually produce it for NASA. Okay. So you hang it. It's it's like a uh, a rolled thing. It's it's like a fabric. A, a one of the types of radiant barrier is like a fabric. Okay. People think radiant barrier. They're like, oh, it's like fiberglass. There's 28 different types of radiant barriers. Oh, is it really? They're all silver. 
Now, oh, yeah. some are thicker, some are thinner, some have double, some are perforated, some are non-perforated, some have a vapor barrier built in. There's a product that can be used like a Tyvek, an exterior house wrap. Right. It's the same price as Tyvek. It's a vapor barrier, but it's also a reflective grade insulation. So it's going to cost you the same amount of money to wrap your house. Yeah. But now you're going to get a boost in the insulation value in all of your walls. Right. So a lot of, I'm not going to say a lot of, the very intelligent builders oh, yeah. that we work with are using that product in, in spades. You can you can use it on the outside of the, the, the home. Before the siding and the brick the siding, masonry. Right. Yep. Right. Okay. All right. So there's multiple different types. In fact, we were at a home show with you at your booth a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And we were standing on one of the materials. Right. Now, I don't know that we could have stood on the material that was the thin, uh, silvery kind of, or gold. That's what you were standing on. Is what we were standing on. Yeah. Uh, really? the, the radiant, some of the radiant barrier we, uh, products we use are, are virtually indestructible. They might they be are. as thin as heavy-duty construction paper. So we're yeah. not talking about something that's really thick. Right. But for our fishermen that are out there, it's got 35-pound test line interwoven in a very tight-knit grid. Yeah. So I've got big muscle guys at the home shows that are sitting there trying to tear through the product, and just it's giving them a fit. And, I, you know, I'm just sitting back sipping coffee thinking it's hilarious. This stuff is is very durable. It is. It's not designed to break down like your standard insulation. It doesn't lose its value annually. You put it in once and yeah. you're done. Yeah. It's a very very good form of insulation. So we we were like, you know what? Triangle radiant barrier. Let's just call it that. We're going to do all yeah. the insulation, but right. that is our one of our premium products. All right. Well, talk to me about people who are they got a bonus room. And they want to, you know, they want to put sheetrock up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no insulation in it now. Per code, do I need to do something before the radiant barrier? Standard coated insulation. Just the so, regular batted? Yeah. Uh, in North Carolina, and we've, we've mentioned on the show a couple of times before, uh, depending on where you are in the country, codes are different. You know, mm-hmm. the codes in, in Southern California and Texas, for example, if you're building, you have to incorporate Radiant Barrier now. Oh, really? In North Carolina, the options are traditional fiberglass insulation or spray foam. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two that they will call uh, coded insulation. Radiant Barrier, they view as an upgrade. So it can't mm-hmm. take the place of, but it can be used in addition to. Yeah. So for the customers that are, are converting their uh, room above the garage, for example, that is going to be the hottest and the coldest room in the house, period. Mm-hmm. Any any listener here who has a bedroom above the garage is nodding their head right now yeah. going, oh, yeah. yep, it's the hottest or the coldest. Well, do something about it before the drywall's put in. You don't necessarily have to do a spray foam, but you can do a standard batted insulation and then cover everything with radiant barrier mm-hmm. and then drywall right on top of it. Yeah. Once they once the drywall's up, you're not insulating that space again unless right. you're tearing drywall down. So spend an extra, you know, five, six hundred bucks and have a radiant barrier done in that space. Right. And it's gonna be one of the coolest rooms in the house in the summer and the warmest rooms in the house in the winter. Yeah. Just bite the bullet up front. It might be a little bit more expensive, but trust me. Do them both. Yeah. Do the insulation that you 
and you come in with radiant barrier. All right. How, how does this affect the the breathability of the house? I've heard, I had somebody tell me, well, you know, you got to get air coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luckily, the radiant barrier product we use is machine perforated, so it's yeah. not a moisture barrier or a vapor barrier. Yeah, uh, We utilize the existing ventilation around the product. We're not sealing up any of the ventilation, yeah. which is really only the case if you go with a spray foam product. Spray foam seals all of your ventilation. Oh, it does, Which yeah. is why it's important to use an open cell foam when you're doing that not a closed cell foam do all the installers know exactly what you just told us open cell versus closed cell they don't no um it's an easy way to remember between the two open cell is open it's permeable sure it is it breathes if there's a roof leak water is going to come through the foam and actually drip down into the uh, into the attic. You'll see it. You'll I, know there's a problem. And you're trying to tell me I want that? Yes. Okay. The other option is a closed cell foam. Closed cell is closed. It is non-permeable. All right. Which is not a problem in Nevada, but in North Carolina, where we have a relative humidity issue, yeah. that can absolutely cause mold growth and high humidity levels in the living space. Yeah. If there's a roof leak, it will not go through the foam. So it could rot out your entire roof deck before you know there's a problem. I guess that is a problem, yeah. We use closed cell when we're sealing crawl spaces. Yeah. If a homeowner has a single brick foundation, right. the only insulation we offer on the walls is foam, huh. spray foam. Yeah. We can't do triplex or foam board because that's that's actually mounted to the wall with a ram set, which is a twenty two caliber nail gun. Which you could use... On some foundations. Correct. And knock them over. Uh, single brick. Single brick. Yeah, you do not want to use a ram set in a single brick foundation because okay. you can actually crack the brick. So sure. the only thing we offer is spray foam. Well, you use a closed cell spray foam down there because you do not want humidity and moisture passing through that. Okay. You want it keeping it out. Yeah. But unfortunately, yes, we have customers all the time that reach out and say, well, we've got a big moisture problem in the house and we don't know what's going on. Yeah. And my guys will go out there and look and we're like, well, the crawl space looks okay. You know, there's a little bit of mold down there, but you got aggressive mold growing on the ceiling of your, your living room. What is this? <laughs> then you get up into the attic and you're like, oh, somebody sealed your attic with closed cell foam. Oh, yeah. There's your problem. And it creates condensation within the attic is it can't that what you're uh, not well even in the living space you see your attic uh technically is supposed to be ventilated so it's constantly drawing air from the living space yeah once you seal the attic it's no longer drawing air so the air the stagnant air that's in your house stays in the house it's not getting pulled up into the attic yeah which means any moisture that's in the house is not working its way out it's staying in the space yeah so for those homeowners, we've told them, look, you either need to pull all of this foam out or you need to cut a section of the foam out and then install a circulatory fan, something that starts moving the airflow up here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and, and you always feel bad for those customers because they didn't know. Right. They were trusting the contractor was giving them accurate information when they came in, which is why it's so important to do your due diligence before hiring a company. Okay. Look into them, make sure they're honest. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that you guys in RoofWorks 
are involved in. For you know, we've talked about the fact we don't want anybody cutting into our roof unless their company involves roofs. I right. just I, I wouldn't do that. You guys are working with Roofworks about this same topic you just brought up. We'll talk about that coming up next. This is Making Your Home Great, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, Making Your Home Great. Brock Evans of Triangle Radiant Barrier is here for this uh, this first hour. We're going to wrap up the next couple of minutes. You got a question for us? 919-860-9783 is our telephone number. Um, Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling coming in. Uh, second hour, also Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting. We'll check in with Brian. We haven't talked with him in a while. I was going to say, I'm excited Brian's coming back. I, I'm glad. All right, so there are things, projects that you guys, you guys have gotten involved with with roof work right right like what well we really utilize roof works um to come out and install certain types of ventilation now we're constantly getting into customers attics and and again it's not always just the insulation there could be other variables one of those variables is adequate ventilation of an attic sure my personal favorite form of outtake and, uh, ventilation is, is what's referred to as a ridge vent, yeah. which runs along the peak of your roof. Um, that just uses standard physics. All the heat in the attic rises, rises up to the tallest point, and it siphons out the roof. Right. Very efficient. There's no moving parts. There's nothing to break. Right. So I like that system. Well, if we get into a customer's attic and they do not have outtake ventilation, Yes. Typically, those are the ones that have the highest utility bills in the summer. Their attic is 30 degrees hotter than their neighbors that right. has a, a ridge vent. So we, we tell the, our homeowners, look, you've, you've got two options. We, you either install a ridge vent or option two is you install a powered fan. Yeah. If they subsequently decide they would like to have a fan, we use solar fans. We think they're more efficient. They have a much better warranty. And you're not using electricity to cool off the attic. Right. So if a homeowner decides, you know what? Yeah, I want one of these really good solar-powered fans. Yeah. I could have one of my guys go up there and cut a hole in your roof and try to wedge it in there and cross our fingers that it doesn't leak. Somehow that thing's that seems wrong. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So what we do is we reach out to the pros. We bring roof works out. And they put the hole in the roof, they flash it properly, install the fan, and they give us a no-leak warranty. So if anything happens, they'll come out and get it corrected along with any damage it was caused. Oh, of course. They're roof works. Right, they're roof works. You don't want me spraying for bugs at your property. You don't want me trying to build a fence for you, although I'm sure I could build a fence just fine. Yeah. You want to bring in somebody that does that all day, every day. So that's why we bring in RoofWorks. All right. Sylvia in Garner is on the line. Sylvia, thank you very much for calling. How you doing? I am excellent today. Good. How's everybody? Yeah, we're good. What's up? I, this summer, in my garage, which is not, um, what do you call it? Uh, insulated. Insulated. 
isolate it. Right. The tape started coming from the ceiling. Yes, ma'am. Ah, what happened there? It just got totally dry rot? Mm, Not dry rot. I'm going to bet it's probably moisture related. Moisture? Yeah, certain times of the year. If you think about how often we'll leave the garage door cracked or open... Mm-hmm. or the seal around the garage door. Yeah. Most of the time, garages are not insulated when they're built because it's not considered living space. So yeah. the walls of the garage are not insulated, which means it gets very hot in there, it gets very cold in there. Yeah. There's a, an enormous temperature flux. And on days when it's very moist, high relative humidity, there's no conditioning in that crawl space. So there's nothing in there to offset that. So it is fairly common that we go into garages that are older. Now, we're talking typically 15 years or older. But normally, if there is a moisture content in there, then you start having the tape give and starts hanging down. Uh, Oh, it scares you when you open the uh, garage door. Here's something. Yeah, it can startle you. Um, It is... It is a very common problem, but I think that is probably going to be related to high relative humidity in the garage. Have you ever noticed any white mold on any of the boxes that you store out in the garage or clothing that's out there? Oh, no, I don't have any clothing, no. Okay, well, that's good. I have not noticed any mold, but is this suggest? are you suggesting I should have... It's one wall that is complete. It's the other wall... It's two walls that are complete. It's just one wall and above the garage door that is open. So actually there's a, there's really not a good way to fix the moisture problem in the garage short of pulling down the drywall, insulating the walls, and then installing an HVAC out there. The, the cost to do that would not justify the impact it would make. So I do have another solution for you. Finch Quality Painting, who's going to be on the show in the the second hour. I can give you a personal story of mine. My wife and I kept getting little mold spots that were growing on the ceiling of the bathroom. Now, I own a mold remediation company, and we do insulation. (laughs) So I thought I had corrected this problem five times, and it kept coming back. Oh, boy. And I reached out to Finch and said, I'm about to pull all the remaining hair I have. I'm about to pull this out of my head. Give me a solution here. And he said, oh, you're using the wrong paint. See, they painted the bathroom ceiling with a flat paint, which is very much like what they use in garages. Okay. And Brian said, no, man, you need to use an outdoor paint, a gloss paint. You can throw water on gloss paint and wipe it right off with a towel. It's designed to be in bathrooms and moist environments. So maybe instead of incurring the cost of spending thousands and thousands of dollars insulating the garage and putting an air conditioner out there, maybe have a painting company come out and repaint the inside of the garage with an outdoor gloss paint. And that should help to prevent that problem from happening in the future. Outdoor gloss, okay. And I would recommend maybe even calling back to the show here in, I don't know, 20 minutes when Brian is on the show and asking his direct opinion since that's what he specializes in. But that's how he fixed my problem. Okay, and what was his name, Finch? Finch, like the bird, F-I-N-C-H, and he owns Finch Quality Painting. Okay, well, I am glad I called. Excellent Sylvia, question. We're glad you called, too. Sylvia, just for that question, 
we're going to feed you. Feed me? Yeah, the folks at Briggs has given us a $25 gift certificate. And as long as you take Brock, uh, you uh, we're going to send this to you. That's right. They have an excellent breakfast menu, and I'm all I about the breakfast. So you love Briggs. Good, good. Well, listen, you're going to enjoy it. We're just, you don't have to take Brock. Oh, he's he's you know he's got such a weird schedule. He's you know you'd never catch up with him. All right, he like their pancakes. I'll take pancakes. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you. All right, take care. She, that's a that's a great question, and that is a common sure. issue. We're constantly finding drywall sagging and the tape coming off yeah. in garages. It's just it's an unconditioned environment. And and still, this is weird to me because. I told you what I saw in my attic, not attic, but the attic area above the garage. Mm-hmm. There is no insulation up there. Right. None whatsoever. None. And there's insulation just it's visible from the garage attic. Or, yeah, the garage attic. Over the attic living space. Over the living space. There's right. plenty of... That doesn't make sense to me. Well, it... It comes down to the education of how insulation works. Remember, insulation is not going to keep out cold air. Okay. It's designed to keep out hot air and yeah. retain hot air. Yeah. So you, if you have no heat source in that garage, sure, you could blow in three feet of insulation above it. It's still going to be ice cold in there. Yeah. yeah. You have to incorporate a heat source. Okay. Same in the summer. You know, we can blow in a bunch of insulation in the garage, but if you don't have an air conditioner down there, it's still going to be 80 degrees. What's your contact information, Brock? Contact info for us is triangleradiantbarrier.com, or you can call us at 919-986-8808. Coming up in just a couple of moments, uh, uh, Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling, talking about generators, and Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting, on the radio on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, and making your home great. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. From home repair to remodeling, this is making your home great. On WPTF every Saturday at one o'clock be listening to wptf there are opportunities well yeah i guess you'd call them opportunities to swing the show to a friday night in in cases when the football game is going on early in the day but this is the night game tonight for unc uh joel worsham of comfort first heating and cooling is here how you doing joel good how are you doing yeah good so far it's a beautiful day Oh yeah, that, that we got fall day. checking the uh, forecast. It's going to be today for the next four or five. Yeah, yeah, it'll warm up a little bit, sixty-eight or seventy over the next couple of days, and down to the forties, but not real cold. Good little fair forecast. That's exactly right. Yeah, Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting is here. How you doing, Brian? Doing well, doing well, Dave. Thank it's you. Been a long time since we've seen you. It has been. It's been a while. Um, well, we missed you. I miss you, you know, guys. We, it's good to be leaving, back. We've been leaving. We've been leaving messages on your phone and everything. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. It's all right. Sorry, he's been busy. What kind of projects have you been getting into? It. Um, we've been doing a lot of exteriors, Dave. We've been right. doing um. Back up just about a half an inch. 
Okay. Um, exterior painting. Um, we've been doing a lot of buildings uh, around the area and also uh, some drywall installation projects. Uh, one down in Fuquay Arena right now that we're working on. That's. Yeah. I think the homeowners are very pleased so far. We're almost uh, finished with the drying of all the mud coats that we've p- applied with the uh, installation of the gypsum board and then um, what we're going to do is we're going to sand that down monday first thing and clean up the areas uh, let the dust settle probably for about 24 hours so it doesn't get in the primer yeah and then uh, make sure everything's clean when we come in there with a uh, airless sprayer and spray the uh, application of the primer application and this was a project of an office which was in a third floor and they're finishing it off correct Dave. and i double checked with you before we started are they insulating they are they are they're actually insulating it uh it's got all electrical um it's a it's a, it's a new addition actually they're adding i believe Ooh. I'm trying to remember how many square footage they're adding but it's a really nice attic that they've added um a new living room a bathroom and an office and so it's um it's very uh it's a very efficient space. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's going to really um, work out for them in the and, future. And for those who heard the first hour of the show or pay attention, oh, yeah, Brock is uh, insulating. That's right. Brock so, is the insulator of the insulation, and that's how we've uh, we've garnered this job, and we're really appreciative to, appreciative to Brock. That's great. Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting is here. Also, Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling. That's Joel. Wrong. Yes, sir. You're here to talk about generators. Yes. I have to tell you that it's been at least a week since the Alexander family has lost power. <laughs> that was a pretty good little front that came through yesterday evening. Did y'all? Yeah. We had what? hail at our house. Did you really? Yes. I was actually sitting at the stoplight, uh, going to pull into the Thai restaurant and pick up yeah. some takeout. And yeah. I was like, what in the world is really? hitting my truck? And it just coated our whole entire. It's about, about 10 minutes. How wow. late was this? Uh, six o'clock. Really? Yeah. No, we o'clock. had just we had just rain out east. Oh, we had uh, horrible, horrible rainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was kind of going southerly towards Fayetteville, more or less. I think it it was going that direction. So it, it kind of came through the Pittsburgh area, but was heading south. So didn't really hit the uh, the Raleigh Durham area as hard as it could have. Was it Was it a lot of uh, Were there a lot of power outages? Absolutely. Well, last night there were power outages through Charlotte. I didn't see any in the Raleigh Durham area on our on our monitoring systems. And so. we need we need to explain how you know this. <laughs> like the National Weather Service doesn't have this kind of detail. You have this. Well, our generators have a monitoring system on them. It's basically a cell phone. Yeah. Uh, and we can see generators when their utility power is off. We can see generators start up, run. We can see if a generator has a fault, if it has um, no gas or low oil or yeah. so, anything. But typically, we can actually see the power company outages in real time just going right off our map. Right. Because generators are firing off. So we're monitoring those generators 24-7. And and why would you do this? It allows us to be a proactive customer service company instead of a reactive customer service company. Um, You know, majority of generator situations are already happened before a power outage, whether you have a dead battery or the generators in standby manual mode instead of standby auto. Um, And customers don't know that because they don't use their generator every single day like they do in air conditioning. So when will they find out? 
during a power outage. Well, these generators exercise every single week. Uh, some generators exercise every two weeks. Typically, if there's a situation, it's going to come up during exercise, which is a nice sunny day at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. We can see it, and we can call that customer and say, hey, uh, we just noticed something on your exercise, and, and we're going to have a truck out there this afternoon. Just it, makes us a little bit better. It automatically does this. I don't need to pay attention. You don't. No, it's it's a service. Okay, <laughs> so you don't have to pay attention, but you do have to pay. No, <laughs> it <laughs> pay is, you. It's a it's a cell phone. It's it's off to us. Yeah, it's basically I, a cell no. Phone I mean service. the the whole point of bringing you out and having you put in a whole house generator is that I am not pulling that rope one more time. Well, the whole purpose is for you to have a peace of mind that we're not only. You don't have to pull that rope. Right. But you have a generator large enough to handle whatever you want to handle. Right. And which is going to be more than what that rope generator is going to be able to handle. The, that thing I can buy at the <laughs> that thing I can buy at the big box store. Yeah. It probably it, talk me out of that. Well, two things. One, I mean, you gotta you, know, you should be I mean, the maintenance on that pretty pretty extensive. You know, to maintain that, just uh... well, the the portable generators uh, are first of all the power factors are not as uh, tuned in as a standby generator. Right. So a standby generator is about uh, less than five percent power factor. Yeah. Uh, now that is a tighter grid than your what your power company is delivering to your house. Okay. Okay. So what that means is the output of that generator, the performance rating of that generator is a tighter. Uh, electrical load um, output than what Duke Energy is providing to you. Right. Okay? Portable generators are not are not that. They they're they're not going to give you a a closer power factor or true power because what most people do is they overload them. Mm. Oh, they do. Yeah, because yeah, they're plugging everything into them. That and makes sense. Yeah, they don't they don't understand. Well, I want my refrigerator. I want that freezer. Right. I want to be able to watch TV. I want to be able to have internet. I want to be able to have all these receptacles on. Oh, by the way, my wife is going to turn the microwave <laughs> on. Guess what that microwave did? It just bottomed that generator, that little portable generator out. Yeah. Two, they're unsafe. Okay. Um, we were in Newburn uh, week before last, putting a generator in in Newburn, North Carolina. Yeah. And. Um, we were doing a whole home installation in this neighborhood, uh, which is right on the Sound, beautiful area. And this neighbor comes across the street, and he's looking at the generator installation. He's like, man, those things are nice. I really want one. Yeah. He said, I just crank mine up in my little outbuilding, and I yeah. just leave that, leave it inside the outbuilding while it's running. Oh, you do, huh? And I just looked at him. I was like, <laughs> what? He's like, well, it's not part of my house. It's in my backyard. Well, when you walk sure. in that outbuilding, you're going to have some serious fumes. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, they're going to stay there. Yeah. Right? Even after. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> That's not a healthy situation. Like, yeah. I was, Sir, I said, that is extremely dangerous. Is. Yeah. Don't do not do that ever again. I, get that portable generator out of your out of your garage, out of your building. Yeah. Well, they're not. And here's the other thing. They're not supposed to be in the weather. Oh, they're not. Yeah, Portable no, generators no, no. are not supposed to be in the weather. So it's a right. double negative. Yeah. yeah. So st standby generators, they're in a encased box. Yeah. You know, um, we're definitely keeping the rainwater off of them. We're right. keeping the snow out of them, the dust, the dirt. I mean, there's going to be a little bit of dust coming in from them just from, you know, the lawnmower shooting it over there to them a little bit, but nothing that is dangerous. And, um, you know, so I just – they're just dangerous there's a lot of people that die from carbon yep. monoxide poison because of portable generators and and 
sometimes the word has gotten out about the portable generator being in the garage. I mean, everybody knows this, theoretically, that you don't run your portable generator in the garage because the fumes can go in the house. But Correct. Then, but then people will put <laughs> but then people will put the portable generator right next to the house. Yeah, I was getting ready to say Please. So you take the portable generator out and you're like, okay, it's not in my house. Yeah. So yeah. I slide it around to the other side of the garage and I plop it down. Yeah. Throw a piece of plywood on top of it because yep. it's out of the weather and I crank it up and run it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well it's got a muffler on it and that muffler's getting hot producing carbon dioxide hot heat whatever you shouldn't have plywood laying on top of it anyway where's that exhaust going well they may dryer vent may be right there the soffit vents right there right the brick right. vents right there right. and it's not a safe installation it's just too many variables to sit there and go eh. and i'll tell you something else you know my background was construction for years yeah okay uh electrician wired a lot of houses yeah a ton of houses ton of commercial buildings we use portable generators daily for right. our operations on construction sites yeah new okay. construction you know yeah. new construction that's that's just part of it sure. you know you know you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere you got a generator running to, yeah. to do a generator uh to give you power to work uh but those things are dangerous because what happens is they run extremely hot mm-hmm. and what people do after they run them they cut them off they don't let them cool down that's right they throw them right back in the truck, or right, right in the trailer, yeah. or right in the storage building. And there's something building. laying around. And that yeah. yeah, and they're extremely hot. And there's flammable and fluids boom, and liquids. Next thing, yeah. yeah, next thing you know, you've got a fire starter. All right, we're going to talk more with Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling about generators. We've talked about the generators you don't install. That's kind of kind of weird. We spent a few minutes talking about the yeah. other guys, but that's all right. We'll talk to you about the yeah. Talk you out of the other guys. Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting. I've got some questions about exterior painting and stain uh, coming up with Brian on the show. If you have a question, I've got another Briggs gift certificate. Our telephone number is 919-860-9783. How much could you eat at Briggs if you had $25 worth of gift certificate? You could do yourself up pretty good. 919-860-9783 is our telephone number on making your home great on WPTF. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF, making your home great on the radio every Saturday at 1 all the way to 3 o'clock. Now we've got some football coming up. In, in, you know, in this evening. But there are also some football games that are against non-ranked opponents. I think the Campbell game might be scheduled for early afternoon. I don't think we're going to be a, on TV for the Campbell game. It's just the way things work. Uh, Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling is here. Also, Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting. Brian, people are people are thinking about the outside and weatherproofing and you know improving the paint uh, situation. What kind of paint should we use on the outside? You know, I know qu- exterior paint, but a, a, a quality paint, I think, is first and foremost uh, kind of where you want to search and look for um, anything um, that's 
going to have a thickness where it's going to maybe have a primer in it. Um, it's always a good option. Um, I know some of the big box stores carry the primer and paint in one. That's always a good exterior paint to have. Um, yes. Valspar has a great one, um, but Sherwin-Williams has some really good ones as well. Um, you know, their duration uh, exterior works fantastic. That's the one that we kind of use um, quite a bit of. Uh, it's just a super durable and long-lasting paint that will get the job done um, like you want it to. It'll perform great. My handyman who put in a walkway, essentially a deck, but he put the walkway portion leading to my patio. He did something weird. I I, I think he bought lumber at two different times. (laughs) And the problem is he's got one plank, and then another plank, uh, you know, later on in the project, right? Where it's not aging, a little discolor, a little discolorization. Well, we want the discolorization right. because we have steps that have been weathered in. Okay, they're a lovely gray. So that's you're trying to blend. What we want, and he's got some wood that's not graying. It's not the species that possibly was the species that he put in. Is that so? It's, it's a, a different species of wood. What he did was he put ninety percent. The correct the same wood right mm-hmm. and then a couple that are a little not. bit different but let's let's just forget that for a moment right sorry sorry no no that's a good quite it's a good it, kind of thought process because i'm kind of picturing it and um i understand what you're saying and i want to gray that out sure even the those planks or the whole thing yeah do i put stain on it yeah is there a gray stain there is mm-hmm. there's it, a great one and it, does it can I see through? Can I see the... Uh, the semi-transparent? Ah, yes. that's Transparency. what I want. Yep. You sure can. We did one actually down at Sam Jones Barbecue. Um, it's an interior stain. Yeah. But they do make exterior stains in that as well. And the semi-transparent is definitely where you want to be with um, if you want to try to keep the wood grain from see, you know, seeing the wood grain and having it visible. Right. I want to see the wood yes. grain. Because I'll tell you what, I've seen some decks where they put this heavy material on it. I think they put it on because it's the last chance. Right, and that's what? typically when you want to do that, when you want to do a solid stain or possibly right. a, um, a heavier duty, kind of uh, maybe even with a little aggregate, um, just to give that yeah. wood some life for maybe right. four, maybe six more years, if, if that. I don't yeah. know if that will possibly happen, but sometimes paint can save wood that could be maybe a one or two years out from rotting to yeah. possibly rejuvenating it for another four or six years my son-in-law's got the deck with that aggregate it's yes pieces of stone yeah in it yeah hate it it's it's a it's a different breed of paint you know a lot of uh, a lot of techniques that we use that paint on would be more of a tilt up concrete wall yeah. Um, something maybe in a hotel or possibly um, a warehouse district or industrial park area. Right. On a building sort of like that. But they do use that application for safety purposes as well. If right. you have small kids or um, if you have an elderly uh, person at the house, um, it can be uh, beneficial for the porch as well, for the stairs especially. We we hate it on the handrail. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. It is kind of like sandpaper on a handrail. I can I can see that being a little bit of a um, auspicious kind of place. Not a good thing. No. But but talk to me about these last chance. Um, I see moments with the wood. Yeah. You know the wood is. eh, It's not. 
great condition. What should I reach for? So you want to make sure that the wood definitely doesn't have any kind of, um, I would say, hairline. Well, they're, they're going to have a little hairline cracks, but you, don't, yeah. you want to make sure that it's not flexing enough to where you feel like it's going to be a break or a brittle or it's going to have any holes kind of filling, you know, kind of have um, some kind of holes in it. You want to make sure that the wood sound first and foremost yeah. because right. um, safety purposes there, of course. But then once you find that wood being pretty sound um, – and you want to apply it with that, you say the aggregate or just anything? Um, yeah, just anything. Anything. So, I mean, what? you know, the first the first thing I think would be is let, you know, if you're doing a new construction porch, obviously you got to know when you're the age of the deck, obviously. Yeah. So the new construction, um, let it sit for a while. Um, kind of pick your color of stain. Go with a semi-transparent, you know, right. always at first, I believe, just because I think it's prettier with the um, wood grain showing through. And sure then, it is. To your point, at the end of that lifespan of that porch, um, you could start thinking about possibly the semi-solids or the solids. Uh, The semi-solids are really pretty as well. Um, That's something that they're kind of – I'm not sure if they're taking away too much of that, but they don't have a whole lot of colors on the market for those. But um, they're all great, and that definitely saves you um, a lot of money in the long run from having to – um, rehab it or either you know uh, demo the whole porch at once yeah, and yeah. So. We, right. we, when my house was built yeah um we waited about nine months there you go nine yeah. months after to do something with our deck yeah and we we did a, a light color stain polyurethane from the box stores you yeah because uh, we didn't want a dark color uh but what so it's now a year later okay and uh, we were grilling out the other night. My wife said the same thing. It's it's like it's time for another coat. Is that what I'm to expect? With and that, that light and that, color. That's a great that's a great question because natural. When you put the natural stain on, when yep. it comes natural in yep. the in, in, in the can, um, you can hardly tell sometimes even after a year that you've stained your deck. And yeah. so that can be a little problematic with the wife and and just yourself looking at it, going, "Gosh, did we even pay for this to happen?" Right. But stain is kind of a maintaining thing. Um, you're going to have to, especially in UV situations where you have a lot of a lot of sunlight, a lot of yeah. sunlight. If you have all day sun, yeah, it could be problematic with a stain, and that could be if you're not someone that wants to maintain that porch, you might want to go with a semi solid because then you'd it. have a little bit more longevity, if you will. Yeah. yeah. What about a question for the do-it-yourselfers? Yeah, the post and and the trusses that are under the deck. Sure, do they need to be stained and sealed? Yeah, I would hope so. Well, that, and that's a great question too, because you know a lot of times that's where you're going to find uh, if it's not draining properly. You might you may get some mold, but it mm-hmm. could be pretty air. Uh, it might have some good ventilation in there, but um, typically we don't do it just because um, unless you're building the house from scratch, you know, you might want to do it on the way of building it, but yeah. um, we can do that application if there's enough room underneath that porch. Yeah. But we typically don't but do it. it's not necessary. It's not necessarily right. to, I think, just because of its exterior nature of the of the wood where the wood should be ventilated enough with, uh, be it uh, pickets or some kind of... Um, um, you know, some breeze through there. But if there's not much ventilation underneath there, then I would actually certainly try to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I worry <clears throat> that the guy who did my walkway did not use the correct lumber to put it. I think he just bought some two by fours. And those are the piers. Well, 
like for instance the material that's on my deck yeah i don't know what type of wood it is but it was right. back it was actually it's pressure treated lumber right. from a um, lumber mill where they've actually you know you get it's dried and everything yep. before they install it well wow. right. so there's a, a lot less time of drying out that is needed right and i want to talk to brian about yeah if you go to a box store and you can start on the stack that's been sitting out yeah it's going to be a little bit drier than the one down the bottom all right we'll talk more about this and also generators with joel on wptf (music) fm 98.5 am 680 wptf Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling and Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting here. We didn't talk to Joel as much as I thought we would in the first That's half okay. hour. Can, Let's, you hear, can you hear me now? I can hear you beautifully. Talk to me. Talk to me about your whole house generators. How do you figure out how much generator I need? Well, we'll come out into your to your location and we will actually do a load calculation. You're not just going to take the square footage of my house. And how many teenagers I have? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter how many people you have in there, but we're going to sit there and uh, we're going to look at all your appliances. We're going to yeah. look at all the data labels. Okay. We're going to do a, uh, a load calculation on your HVAC, your well, your sewer uh, yeah. pump. Um, we're going to come up with a, a calculation of what it would take to run this generator in a normal operation. Right. Where Dave doesn't have to say, hold on, let me go out to my panel box because right. Joel told me to turn let me turn, turn let me turn, turn the switch on. Let me turn these let me turn these sequence of breakers on. I, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So okay. that this is total automatic. You know, total so transfer. When, when the power goes off, it just comes right back. It just comes yeah, right on. Within less than less than eight seconds, this generator's fired up. Thirty seconds, All it's right. transferred power. Uh when your when your power gets restored, uh up to a minute, it's gonna sense it yeah. and then it's gonna transfer back and then it goes down to a cool down. Is there any shifting from product to product? I mean, I, can I blow the hairdryer when I'm running the microwave? I mean. Yeah. You, so the, 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 the thing you'll notice about generators that's different than, than power company is when heavier loads start coming on, yeah. you, you'll hear the, uh, the generator catch up. Okay. That's what you'll notice. That's fine. It's revving a little higher. It'll rev up a little bit to catch up and to maintain. Oh, that's great. That's right. All right. Johnny in Wake Forest has got a uh, question. Hey, Johnny, how you doing? Good, you? Good. What's going on? Uh, Here's my question. I'm calling for for a friend of mine. Yeah. She had a fence put up about uh, May of last year. Right. And she went and had a fence company uh, stain it with an oil-based stain. And... It was semi-transparent. Uh, First time it's ever been stained. Right. And they put they put so much stain on there that it changed the whole color of the fence. And my question is, do they make any a product that would take that stain off, even though it's oil-based? It's not like that. Oil-based stain. We got to block it. Yeah. And they put so much of it on there. It, it's a it's a data box fence and. Uh, box from mist all over the fence and doesn't look right. No, they just kept sending different people out there. And is it splotching? It's splotches, but then it's also on so heavy that uh, it actually looks like it's plasterized. <laughs> Ooh, plasterized. So it looks. Do you, I wish I had a picture of it, but I kind of I can understand. Uh, so they basically applied the oil 
uh, stain way too heavy is what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. Huh, that's tough. Um, you know, I'd hate to say there's going to be some labor-intensive measures possibly with that, but um, I would start with power washing it, um, opening up those pores of the wood, and then possibly going back after the power wash if you can try to – I don't know if the bleach would help, but um, obviously getting that um, – just getting a wash on it and then going back and sanding it with an aggressive – let it dry out for a couple of days, let that sun hit it. And then get aggressive with the sander with an 80 or 60 or 80 or maybe 120 grit um, orbital sander. Um, I think that's probably the best bet. You know, you could go with possibly trying to use some kind of chemical, but then again, um, you're going to run into a pretty expensive project with a big fence like that. And then you're also going to possibly have to wear a lot of gloves and and it's going to be painful if you get it on yourself. Okay. All right. Are yes, we, sir. Are we trying, how long is the fence? Hundreds of feet? 177. Oh. Well, look, we can yeah. we can come out there and take a look at it for you if you'd like for us to and, and try to give you a better idea of uh, how to attack it in person if you'd like. All right. Um, what's your what's uh, business number? It's uh, 919-609-7759. Six zero nine. Yes, sir. Okay. I'll give you a call next week. Okay, yes, sir. Thank you. Johnny, we're going to send out a gift certificate to Briggs Restaurant. They are simply the best. I've got a $25 gift certificate for you. Thank you, Johnny. Hey, I appreciate that. Thanks. Hey, All thank right, you, Johnny. Care. Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling and Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting. Brian, I was going to give him some advice for his friend. Honestly, <laughs> sometimes the advice is a little late no matter what it is it is he should have called finch finch painting would have uh not applied it that heavy uh first first yeah, run, they, get around you know he must have sat there and just saturated stood, stood in one spot yeah it sounds like they didn't have yeah. a whole lot of uh, or they didn't have the right training. sprayer or yeah yeah you know the right pressure or sprayer yeah. you know knowing what they're he, he did let us know he said they kept sending out p- different people yeah but it was a it was the fencing company uh, that did the painting. Yeah, and, and we've had a history of working with some you know area fence companies uh, a while back, but we haven't any time in the recent future. But when we did, uh, we we they had the same issues because they said their guys aren't painters; they're uh, fence installers. I understand that. So I think and that's that's how it works. Brian, do you install fence? Fences? I don't. I don't claim to. You no. don't do it. All right. I don't want to. <laughs> I, and I don't paint. We can I actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can figure it out, but I want to no, stay in the we field. Do have, we we yeah. do have five carpenters, so we can figure it out. Very good. Okay. Uh, Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling. We're talking generators. Whole house generator, generators take care of the whole house, clearly. Yes. They take care of the house hands-free yes. for me. Yes. They report to you. Mm-hmm. The, the the item really reports to you and lets us know when it's running. Lets you know when it's running. Right. It's a wonderful thing. I want to talk about the fact that these whole house generators need to be put in a specific spot. Mm-hmm. And you can get into a complex web of zoning plus HOA plus just safety yeah nuisance uh neighbor nuisances uh you can get into a whole bag of of issues um what 
you want to have, first and foremost, if you're interested in uh, getting the generator installed, is have the right company come out yeah. and look at your look at your property um, and ask you those questions. Like, number one, um, does your HOA require approval and a specific location for this generator to be installed? Yeah. A lot of times, uh, especially in, in the area that we're in in Raleigh-Durham, you're going to have HOAs that say, this generator can only be at the back of the house. It cannot be seen from the side or the front. Yeah, which uh, is which is silly. D- Dave Alexander is going to tell you these are attractive units. Yeah, and it, if you can see the heating and air unit, correct, you uh, could see this. Well, that and there's there's another location you have to take in consideration. Do you want 235 degree air temp of exhaust and and heat? coming off that generator and blowing on your compressor. No, no, no. I don't. I so don't. that's another location you have to look at. Uh, wind direction, typically, um, you know, we do a lot of projects with Brock, um, encapsulations, uh, yeah. which is great. I recommend everybody do that. But not everybody has encapsulated crawl spaces. Right. And you may have a brick vent that uh, may be within seven, eight feet on the exhaust side. It may need to be blocked off. It may need to be sealed. Yeah. Um, one more thing is the overhang, the overhang of the soffit. A lot of companies were all, we're looking down and we're looking at what's around the generator on the ground. Yeah. But if you look up, that's soffit. You got a soffit there, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and there's a, there's a measurement that that has to be in consideration. Uh, c- certain jurisdictions require, um, some type of plot plan. Now the reg, I will tell you the regulation of plot plans has changed. Uh, quite a bit. Uh, we don't necessarily have to have uh, civil surveyors to come in and have that ex- uh, uh, that that additional cost to yeah. have a generator installed. Uh, we we can do overhead. Uh, we have a jurisdiction that we can actually uh, we go out and put a drone up in the air and oh. we we'll actually yeah. take an overhead picture uh, and 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 actually draw it on that on that on that plan yeah. and submit it and the 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 jurisdiction will allow that. Uh, lot a lot cheaper cost than getting another party involved right yeah um but a generator installation for from comfort first is you know we look at all that factors and then we also look at what your gas situation fuel you know fuel for the generator because we're only going to put propane or gas natural gas generators in yeah uh what is uh the additional processes that need to be done after the installation uh do we have to get the gas company, um, uh, the natural gas co- utility, to yeah. up, upsize that meter. Uh, has that calculation been done to validate what is there and what you're adding? Uh, that needs to be done. So <clears throat> when they sold me my house, which has <laughs> gas, but the gas only goes to the fireplace. Right. It's the only thing that – are you telling me that they might not have provided me large enough service for – the generator. Okay, let's let's. What kind of gas source do you have? Propane or natural? Well, I'm making this up. Okay, a, well, I'm Mr. Hypothetical. All right, it's so a hypothetical. Yeah. So, if you have utility company, the gas company yeah. is yeah. going to size up their meter to the delivery of what you are having now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, typically, uh, natural gas meters, uh, two hundred fifty thousand BTUs is the smallest. Uh, meter you'll typically see okay. okay that's gonna be big enough for your gas furnace your water heater 
um, in your fireplace, possibly your stove, but I doubt it, right? Um, So let's just say that you've had your water heater changed and you've now gone to an on-demand. Even though it may be a variable speed or a variable flow on-demand, we still have to validate that at a larger capacity than a tank water heater. Uh, So we've already changed the configuration there. And then we add a generator. Yeah. We are... We don't have just endless endless amount of growth on these meters. These gas meters have to be sized for flow and capacity. Okay? So we may not only have to change the meter. Yeah. Well, let me rephrase that. We may not have to get the we may have to get the utility company to oh. come in and change the meter. Oh, amen. That's their job. That's their yeah. job. But yeah. we have to make we may have to accommodate and change the size of the piping coming off of the meter yeah. to accommodate the additional load. Sure. Uh, that that it can when you're dealing with gas. Per, first of all, the the community, the the public, they're scared of it, and they should be right because you know it, yeah. it freaks you out, right? But the thing about it is, is you got to have a company that is knowing what that measurement is and what that calculation is and how to size that pipe correctly, and then do all the proper processes with leak detection, sniffer detection, yeah. and then air test and then inspection to validate what that workload is so that not only is that generator properly functioning when you need it, yeah, but maybe you want that water heater, gas furnace, and the gas stove oh, yeah. and the generator to work all the same time oh, yeah, without any issues. Yes. And, and that's the difference with us and it's a one-stop shop. Everything's well, with us. If the electricity's off, I still want my gas stove Absolutely. to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, sure. All right, Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling, talking generators. Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting, talking painting and other projects. Uh, On the radio now with Making Your Home Great, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. Making Your Home Great, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. When I ask a question either of Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling or Brian Finch of Finch Quality Painting, now's your time. 919-860-9783 on WPTF on Making Your Home Great. So, Joel, we talked last section here about the complexity of it all. Mm-hmm. I want I want to reassure everybody just because it's hard, I think it's hard on Joel. Yes. Not the homeowner. Yes. Totally allow the professional to do his professionalism, right? Yeah. Let, let me do the design. The right. due diligence. That's right. Let yeah. me go through the engineering. Let me do the calculation. I'm going to need you for two or three phone calls to utilities because yeah. that's accessing your, your personal account. Okay. And I take care of permits. I take care of. Uh, everything you got it covered i got it covered i just need do you find all the pipes out there in the yard that are kind of uh sitting around maybe that you might need to have uh looked at or not get penetrated or anything that's a good question the only thing we can locate is utility okay that's going to be your your but your your sprinkler system is up to the homeowner to get with their landscaper and get that uh, irrigation system located. All right, we got we've got Skip in Raleigh on the line. How you doing, Skip? What's going on? Uh, you know, it's a beautiful day. Well, yeah. I'm on the phone. I should be outside. 
Take the phone outside. <laughs> They're portable now. Exactly. Why don't you guys just come join me? You know, we can knock it out. Um, Joel Wisham there with um, uh, Comfort uh, First. Electric, yeah, yes. the electrical guy as well. Yes. So here's something I've wondered about, and I'm hoping you can give me some advice. Um, we live in North Raleigh. Um, other than Hurricane Fran, we have rarely been without power for very long. And in our family, we don't have any medical needs, no oxygen concentrators, no CPAP, no nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and so if we're without power for a day or two, it, it's not the end of life. Um, for us, a whole home generator um, doesn't make a lot of sense. Plus, my next-door neighbor has one, so all I need is a long extension cord. But having said that, um, is it possible to purchase a whole home battery, not powered by solar, but just by house current, that would carry um, the freezer, the refrigerator, um, and maybe in the winter, occasionally the gas furnace. That's a great question. Yes, there is. Uh, actually, we we sell uh, Briggs and Stratton generators. Okay, yeah. that is our premium generator product that we install. Briggs and Stratton also owns uh, Simplify energy storage system. Mm. Uh, so that is a storage capacity system that is a battery. Uh, that you are absolutely um, uh, storing that power when you need it, uh, and then it's discharging out uh, when there is a utility failure. It's not going to give you the whole entire house uh, if it's a larger home. It's going to give you the appliance, like your freezer. Uh, it's going to give you some illumination, maybe yeah. the garage to open or get the garage out. Sure. It's going to give you hours. Uh, it's not going to give you... It's not going to give you day upon day after upon day, but it's right. going to give you moments to where you can get through. Uh, you could get uh, 24, 48 hours on it. On and again, more batteries you add, the more battery, the more longer period of time you can, and more kilowatt that yeah. you can deliver. Uh, we do not install any energy storage systems right. uh, other than generators, uh, standby power. Uh, but that is definitely, if you're not having a long sustained power outage, or a medical condition or appliance or a, a life comfort process or appliance that you need to maintain, yeah. uh, you may be interested in doing a energy storage system. And that's Simplify? Simplify is the product. It's made in California. Right. <laughs> so it is definitely, you know, yeah, accommodating of all that, that, that government that's out there and legislation. How oh, long yeah, has that yeah. been on the market? Uh, Simplify has been out for... It's actually Simplify. Simplify is the name brand. Briggs and Stratton bought them like two years ago. Oh yeah, uh, but it's the largest energy storage system in America for for privately held for private homes. Pri private, private homes. homes yes. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, Skip, there's your there's your instructions. Good luck to you. Well, thank you so much. I imagine I could do a little Google search and find if there's a local installer. Um, you know, I'd love to um, look at a whole house generator, but frankly, in our area, it just it just doesn't make sense yet for me because we don't have an emergent need. We can always put on a right. coat or open windows in the summer. And uh, right. um, at least right now, uh, our health would not be jeopardized. All right, Skip, thank you very much. Well, thank you for taking the call. Have a great rest of the day. All right, take care. Get bored after the show. Um, <laughs> there are leaks. <laughs> All right, take care. Bye. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, later on, if we had time in the show, I would want Skip to call back yeah. and tell me about how much how his afternoon went. he doesn't need painting. 
Right. He I, didn't even talk about painting. I just thought I, I... He needed to speak about painting, I believe. I just want to talk to Brian Finch because I don't need any <laughs> painting done. I just, I'm just saying. Uh, so, Brian, um, what, what are people doing these days... Is it all exterior? Or are you doing a lot of interior and exterior? We're doing a little bit of everything. I think what people are looking at is um, they're really budget conscious because I think with the times we live in right now, yeah. I think everybody's kind of budget conscious with what they do to their house right now and how they can save money, but also how they can get the, the ultimate benefit of just you know something to do with right. popping it, giving it a pop a little bit. So a lot of people are painting their siding. Um, you know, siding's always going to have. Uh, maintaining maintenance issues that you're going to have to probably get to eventually and eventually sometimes can be now or later um, depending on your budgets and depending on when you want to do the job and you talked earlier off air about the fact that you'll come in and you'll paint gutters right and so a lot of customers may not realize that when you do do an exterior paint job um we do do the prep beforehand which consists of um, power washing and we do power wash and take down the the gutters so to speak and sometimes we'll leave the gutters up on the fascia but we'll take down the downspouts and so with that being said um, the gutter kind of unit will be sprayed along with the freeze and fascia and soffit board as a kind of a one piece um, of a a, if you will of a a piece of of uh, the I guess the side of the house of the overhang and so um, i guess we'll call that boxing and then we'll do that but the gutter actually will come in and incorporate itself in that boxing and so what we'll do is we'll we'll power wash and prep that gutter to clean it and then we'll we'll pop it with a semi-gloss and the gutters will come out looking brand spanking new that's great Mm -hmm. that's great because i i know a lot of people have got staining on the gutters and that's a big issue um, we should mention that Brian will do drywall and enjoys it, and will do painting and enjoys it. We enjoy no, it all, even uh, even 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 the popcorn scraping. We enjoy it. even the the mess it super makes. Popular thing oh, to I do. I yeah. think absolute best thing. To I do. mean, especially on stairs, a lot of DIYers do not like to get on their ladders know. on the stairwell, yeah. and it's a, it's a, it's kind of something that we can do really easily for people, um, and it saves a lot of time and money. And and the popcorn ceiling repair, the removal of it. It's a it's a dirty job. It's a dirty job, but the first time we described it on the radio here, I wish people could see Brian's eyes. <laughs> I, I had my I had my house done. Yeah. Before we yeah, built yeah, yeah. our new house. Yeah. Holy smokes! What a mess. Yeah. It's oh my. A, do you do you have to get it wet? You do. So you have to you have to moisten it down with a, a sprayer of sorts. So you yeah. can kind of, and you have to. We have a little uh, homemade concoction that we put in yeah. there that we um, kind of helps loosen, loosen it, it up a little yeah. bit, and then we get the scrapers out. But before that, obviously, we've got a plastic up from um, yeah. from yeah. your ceiling down all the way, and then we encapsulate your 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 floor too as well. So when we do the initial scraping. We basically will bring it down like a gift and gift wrap it up into a ball, yeah. and we'll take all that trash out, and so we won't track it in and out of your home. And then we'll replastic it up again, and we kind of go through a, a couple of extra steps than I think some companies may, just because we're super um, we're super clean, and we want people to have you know a, a clean home when we're finished. I can tell you the the company that did mine, yeah, they put brown paper down. 
sure they did. Pl- plastic over the furniture. Yeah. And then rolled it all out. And I'm going to tell you, my wife and I, we spent probably five days straight with yeah. shop vacs, brushes. It, if you, if you have the wrong company, carpet. do it. Oh, yep. oh, my gosh. It was it's hor- tough. horrible. A lot this of vacuum. Horrible. Again, like the fellow who called earlier about his, his friend's fence. The problem is not what to do now. The problem is what he should have done before it got painted. Well, the thing about it is when you're dealing with popcorn, not yeah. many. It's hard to find anybody that would tackle it, right? To, and, to to take a popcorn textured sealer and, and to do to it correctly, flat, and to do it correctly. Yeah, because a lot of folks will leave gashes because you know a lot of folks what they don't want to do, and this is how we kind of also do our processes when we um, when we oil prime or even prime it, just depending on if the if the homeowner is okay with oil, the smell. Yeah. We'll go back and point it up after point we it prime it, and then yep. we'll sand it three times. And so All that's right. the thing. Brian, your number. 919-609-7759. Website? It's www.finch, like the bird, painting.com. Joel Worsham, Comfort First Heating and Cooling is? 919-777-1777. All right. Thank you. Thank Making you. Making your Thank home you. great is uh, back next week.